I'm Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. This talk wraps up our three-week teaching series, Who? We've been looking into three different people in the bloodline of Christ that you might be very surprised to find there. This week, Eric unpacks the life of Bathsheba and shows how the Lord does something great with her story. God makes beautiful things out of the junk in our lives, so join us as we look at Bathsheba. This is the week, right? And so I've got to ask, are you ready for what is about to take place? If you are, good for you. And I say that with a heart full of love and jealousy and envy because I am not ready for this. Is there anybody who is not ready for what is about to take place? Yeah, we'll be praying for you. Good luck with all of that. I do want to ask you a question. When it comes to the whole giving and receiving of gifts, who actually has the advantage? Is it the person giving the gift? Or is it the person receiving the gift? Who's got the advantage? The giver or the receiver? Well, a study recently came out where a bunch of smart people got together and they determined that giving is really more about the person giving the gift than it is about the recipient. There's actually people who study this stuff, which is kind of crazy. But they discovered that if you want to give better gifts, you have to determine, and you've got to figure out what kind of gift giver you are. And so they came up with four different categories. So today I want to share these categories with you And I hope it's in time for your Christmas to be amazing and fantastic. So are you ready? Here's the four different categories, the four different ways that people actually give gifts and see if you fit into one of these categories. Here's category number one. It's the procrastinator slash slacker. And if you fit into this category, you know who you are because you already raised your hand. You are not ready for this. And you're probably getting an elbow in your side right now. Slackers. Here's the next category. It's the practical giver. This is the guy who buys his wife a vacuum cleaner for Christmas and just has no idea why that's a bad idea. My dad actually fits into this category. And several years ago, I can remember when he bought my mom two bottles of WD-40 for Christmas. And he didn't get it. He's like, what? The doors are squeaky around here. That's the practical giver. Here's category number three. It's the do-gooder. And this is when you donate in someone's name to a cause that you support and that you like. And this actually happened to my kids a couple of years ago. They were given the gift of knowing that a goat had been donated in their name to a family in some far away part of the world, which is really a great idea. It's really a cool gift. But my kids were like, really? A goat? What's next? And it was kind of funny to watch all of this because they just didn't have a box to put that in. It was kind of funny. That's the do-gooder. The final category is the perfect gift giver. 
And this is the individual who just gets it right every single time. They give perfect gifts without even trying. And I would say that my wife is a perfect gift giver, which is great because I'm a perfect gift receiver. So we really work well together. And hopefully you have a perfect gift giver in your life as well. But think about this for a moment. This whole giving and receiving and the exchange of gifts, which is about to take place this week, is really not about the gift. It's not. It's about the relationship that connects that gift. It's about people. The whole giving and receiving of gifts is ultimately about people. Kind of like the very first Christmas. It was about people just the way God wanted it. And here's why God wanted it that way. Because he loves people. He's crazy about people. We've been walking through this series called Who? And you can't just say it like, who? You really got to lean into it with a bit of sarcasm. Who? And so this is your last chance to say who the right way. Give it your best shot on the count of three. One, two, three. Who? And we have looked at some unique individuals who fit the who category, and they're part of the family. In Matthew chapter 1, we get this amazing list of people who are part of Jesus and his family. And when you actually read through that list and you begin to look at the names and you unpack their stories, you just kind of shake your head and you say, who? She's in there? He's in there? You gotta be kidding me. It's a list filled with felonious characters that just cause you to shake your head and say, who? Judah's part of that story. And we talked about Judah a couple of weeks ago and he was an arrogant individual and selfish and he cared little for others, including his own family. He didn't even care about them. And if Judah were part of our family, we would probably hide him so that nobody could figure out that we were connected. That's what we would do. But that's not what God does. And then we talked about Rahab. Rahab's interesting because she's got a nickname. And it's not a good nickname. She's known as Rahab the prostitute. And if Rahab were part of our family... I mean, if she were there and people were coming over to our home, we would probably hide her in a closet somewhere because we wouldn't want anybody to know about her and her life. But that's not what God does. Judah, Rahab, they're part of the story and they're part of the family. And it's amazing. Our who character today is a girl by the name of Bathsheba. And Bathsheba has quite a story, and there is so much that we can learn from her life. But before we jump into her story, I want to share our big idea for today, which is this. 
God is always using past experiences to prepare us for future opportunities. This is what God does. He is always using past experiences to prepare us for future opportunities. I want you to think for just a moment about your past. And as you consider that, as you think about that, maybe you would say that your past is rather peaceful. It's kind of normal, a little vanilla. Maybe you would even describe your past as being boring. There's just not a lot that has happened back there. And that's okay. Because God is always using past experiences, no matter what that looks like, to prepare us for future opportunities. Maybe as you think about your past, you would say, it is anything but boring. I mean, it is filled with all kinds of stuff. And there is garbage and junk back there that I hope nobody discovers. I wouldn't want anybody to find these things. That's okay. Because God is always using past experiences to prepare us for future opportunities. And to help us get this, to help us just wrap our minds around this, I want you to say the underlying words that are on the screen as I work through the phrase. Ready? God is always using past to prepare us for future. Again, God is always using past to prepare us for future. Yeah, this is what God does all day long. You know, when you think about God, he is really amazing. And there are so many wonderful things that he does for all of us. So many things. But when you begin to jump into the story of Bathsheba and you discover what is there, you learn some new things about God and what he offers to all of us. Here's what we learn. And here's what we discover about how amazing God is. First of all, poor choices don't have to be the end of the story. They don't. The poor choices that we make don't have to be the end of the story. Bathsheba's story can actually be found in the Bible, in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 11. And here's what we discover about Bathsheba. Scripture tells us that she was a beautiful woman. She was a beautiful woman and she was married. And she had an affair with a guy named David. David was also a married individual, and he happened to be the king of Israel. So he's got a pretty important job. And David, because of his influence and because of his power and because he had amazing connections as king, decided that he needed to take care of Bathsheba's husband. Bathsheba's husband was a warrior. He was a soldier, and he was a good soldier. He was loyal and willing to do whatever it took to serve the kingdom. And David knew that about her husband. And so he sent her husband into a very fierce battle and put him right on the front line, hoping that he would die, and that would be the end of the story. And that's actually what happened. He was injured, and he died from battle wounds, and then David takes Bathsheba 
as his wife. Along the way, there's lies, cover-ups, more lies, more cover-ups, still more lies to come, and still more cover-ups. And one would think, at least this is the way I think about it, that if you were telling the story about baby Jesus, this cute little adorable baby who was the Messiah and he came to rescue us and redeem us, he is the one who is the Savior. If you were telling the story about him, that you would leave out this juicy little tidbit about some people who are in his family. Like nobody needs to know about this. Let's just keep it back there. Let's keep it in the closet. But that's not what happens. It's here. And it is included to help us know that poor choices don't have to be the end of the story. This isn't the end for Bathsheba. On the canvas of her life, God paints an incredible picture of mercy. And he'll do the same for us. See, poor choices don't have to be the end of the story. Poor choices don't have to be the end of your story. Well, here's what else we discover about God based on the life of Bathsheba. An uncertain future is God's specialty. An uncertain future is where God shines the best. So when things get a little dark, when your future is not clear at all, and you don't know what you're supposed to do, and you don't know what tomorrow looks like, when the word uncertain becomes the identifying mark of your life, and there is one big question mark there, just know that an uncertain future is God's specialty. Scripture tells us that eventually the truth comes out about David and Bathsheba. They're discovered. And when they're discovered, there's shame and embarrassment and a lot of guilt over all of that and an uncertain future. As a result of this affair, David and Bathsheba have a child together. And that little baby boy dies. And that's just a devastating loss for them, as you can imagine. Not too long after that, they have another child, another little baby boy, and they name him Solomon. And Solomon grows up to become known as one of the wisest men who ever lived. From David, from Bathsheba. Who? You gotta be kidding me. But this is actually what we discover in Matthew chapter one. Check this out. Verse five says, Obed was the father of Jesse and Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. And from that family... We discover all the way down in verse 16, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Now, don't miss this, because it is the biggest part of this story. 
by God's mercy. And this is the only way you can explain it because it doesn't make sense any other way. It just doesn't. By God's mercy, Bathsheba becomes the wife of King David and the mother of Solomon and an ancestor to Jesus, the Messiah. Are you kidding me? Who? Bathsheba? I mean, doesn't God know what she's done and what kind of life that she's lived? He does. And it helps us to know that an uncertain future, when that gets really cloudy and when that gets very confusing and we can't figure it out and it doesn't make sense, an uncertain future is God's specialty. So let's ask the question. What does all of this have to do with Christmas, right? Because quite honestly, this doesn't sound very Christmassy. I mean, we've got affairs and lies and cover-ups, and this may not be what you expected seven days before Christmas. But here's the deal. It actually has a lot to do with Christmas. Because Bathsheba, she's part of the story. She's part of the family, and God is always using past experiences to prepare us for future opportunities. I want to share some Christmas next steps with us, some things that we'll be able to do as soon as we walk out of here. And I want to do that based on Psalm 51. In Psalm 51, we find David, the husband of Bathsheba, And he's writing to God and he is in full-on confession mode. He knows that he can't hide things anymore. He knows that he can't fool anybody and that God has discovered him and God knows everything about his life. And so in Psalm 51, David writes this amazing song, an incredible song of confession. And while they're not Bathsheba's words, it certainly is part of her story. And there's something for all of us right here. So here's Christmas next step number one. God knows every detail of our lives. He does. God knows everything about our lives. So own your stuff. Here's verse one of chapter 51. David says, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom, even there. You know, maybe the greatest thing you can do this Christmas is to simply Get honest with God about the stuff that you have been hiding from him. Are you hiding anything from God today? I think we all fall into this mode every once in a while where we keep this stuff on the inside from everybody and we believe that God can't even see that stuff. So are you hiding anything from God today? Maybe the next step is just to come clean and confess so that you can enjoy everything that God has for you this Christmas season. And here's why that's a great next step to take. 
Because God already knows all of our stuff. He knows everything that is happening on the inside, and we can't hide that. And sometimes that comes across as a little intimidating. Like, yikes, God knows what's happening in here. But I want you just to listen to some of the words that David uses here in Psalm 51. Even though he knows that God knows everything going on. Just listen to some of these words. They're powerful. Mercy. Unfailing love. Compassion. And purity. I mean, do any of those words sound good to you? Mercy. Unfailing love, compassion, and purity. See, this stuff is available for you. It's available for me, just like it was available for David and Bathsheba. So what's happening in your life right now that you need these words just to come in, sweep into your life, and cover? What is it that you need covered? Could you benefit from a dose of mercy? How about some unfailing love? Could you benefit from some compassion? How about purity? Own your stuff. Own your stuff. And perhaps the greatest gift that you could give to the people around you is just to come clean with God and own your stuff so that you can enjoy what God has for you during this season. Here's next step number two. A truly clean heart can only come from God. So ask for it. Just go ahead and ask for it. This is what David did, and we see it in verse 10. David says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. And here's what we know based on what we just read. A clean heart does not come from my own efforts. Because how do I ever know when that has been enough? I mean, how do I ever know when I've done enough to get that? It's just impossible to know. So a clean heart doesn't come from my own efforts. And a clean heart doesn't come from hiding. And a clean heart doesn't come from covering. A clean heart can only come from God, who willingly gives it whenever we ask. So the challenge today, the next step is to ask for it. Because God makes beautiful things out of not so beautiful things. This is what God does. Bathsheba? Who? I mean, she's in the line of Christ? Are you serious? She's there. And God used her life and her story to help the people of her day and to help us know that God is always using past experiences to prepare us for future opportunities. What you're going to experience next is just something that is going to help us focus on all of this. And so if you're here and you would say that you're a friend of God and you've trusted in him alone, 
And maybe you would even say that you've been on the journey for a really long time. I mean, you've just been chasing God for a lot of your life. And that's just where you're at. Then just allow these next few moments to speak to your heart about how God is not finished with your story. There is still more for you. And you need to chase that more. And you need to figure that out. But God is not done with you. Maybe you're here and you're just not so sure about God. A little aggravated with him. You just don't understand how he works. And you would say that you've never trusted in him alone to save you. Then just allow these next few moments to speak to your heart about a God who makes beautiful things out of people and simply wants us to trust in him alone. Father, we thank you so much for just a few moments to think about some amazing people, individuals that you used, stories that you captured for us so that we would know how amazing you truly are. God, I pray that as we walk through these next few moments, that you'd speak to our hearts. Help us to know exactly what you want us to do so that we can have a great celebration this Christmas. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And God is always using past experiences to prepare us for future opportunities and to make out of our lives beautiful things. This is totally possible with God. I mean, he can do this for all of us. So if you've trusted Christ, you've already taken that step in your life, then just make sure that you set up regular appointments with God and that you confess everything to him and that you make sure there's nothing that is affecting the relationship that you have with God. Nothing in the way of that. And in the process of doing that, God will make a beautiful thing out of you this Christmas. If you've never trusted Christ, then just know that on this Christmas, you can embrace his leadership and his forgiveness and trust in him alone and not add anything to that. And it will be the greatest Christmas that you'll ever experience knowing that God can and will make a beautiful thing out of your life. And you'll have the chance to do that today. Judah, Rahab, Bathsheba, who? Are you kidding me? All individuals with the past, all individuals who had some issues, but yet God used what had happened in their past to prepare them for future opportunities and they walk through that and God accomplished some amazing things. He's not done with you and he's not done with your story. And he's a specialty with uncertain futures. God makes beautiful things and this is what he extends to us on this Christmas. Judah, Rahab, and Bathsheba 
they're the point of the story. Will you pray with me? Father, we come to you right now and we're just so thankful for what you tell us about the different people that are part of Jesus and his family. And God, it would have been so easy to hide all of that and pretend that these different characters weren't there. But that's not what you do. You put it all out there for us to know and to learn from their lives. And so, God, right now I pray that you'd speak to us. Help us to think about the next steps that you want us to take this Christmas as we get ready to walk out of here and celebrate just a great week. I'd like for you to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for a moment. Maybe you're here as a friend of God and it's just been a while since you've talked to him and confessed some of the stuff that's happening in your life. I want to encourage you in this moment. Just get real with God. Don't hide stuff from him. Just stop doing that. Because he already knows it anyway. So take this time and just come clean with God. Lay it at his feet so that you're prepared to have a great Christmas. Maybe you're here and you're understanding for the very first time that there is a God who loves you and cares about you and has a plan for your life and it doesn't matter about the stuff in the past. God can forgive all of that. And he offers forgiveness and mercy and grace like the people we've talked about today. And you're ready to grab that and you want that. You're ready to trust in him alone. And from your heart to God's ears, in the quietness right here, I'd encourage you just to say something like this to God. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know it. And I know that you came to pay the price for me. Right now I turn from my sin and I ask you to come into my life and save me. Be my leader. Be my forgiver. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. And if you've just prayed that for the very first time to God, I want to say to you that he will never leave you. Never. You've got a forever friend in God who will walk with you every step of the way. And this will be your greatest Christmas. God, again, we just want to praise you and we want to honor you and thank you for who you are, for being the great God who makes beautiful things out of us. God, we know what we're like. We know what we do. And yet you still use us, change us, forgive us, and clean us up. And so we praise you this Christmas season, God. Help us to enjoy it and celebrate it like never before. Who? God, you'll even use me. And you'll use everybody in this room. And you want to do that. So God, we offer our lives to you this season. Bless us. Give us a great celebration. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Thank you for listening. We'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 and 11 a.m.